Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk podcast. We're looking at Acts chapter 13 today. Edwin, what is the text for our episode? We're going to read the first 12 verses of Acts chapter 13. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Now. There were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. When he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is some exciting action as we hit a major shift in the book of Acts. When we began talking about Acts earlier in previous episodes, one of the things we pointed out was from the very beginning of the book in the first chapter in verse 8, there is a sort of an outline for the activity of the book where the Lord said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when we come to Acts 13, we see the beginning of the missionary journeys. We see the fulfillment now of going into all the ends of the earth. And not only do we see this uh, beginning at, at Antioch, as the Holy Spirit wants Paul and Barnabas to take a lead in this, But then, uh, in our reading today, we see their first stop is the island of Cyprus. The island of Cyprus, which, of course, I think, if I remember correct, is Barnabas' home country. That's what we're told in the fourth chapter, that he had some property there or something. He was from there. So what we notice is that the Holy Spirit has designated this is the time to launch into this new evangelistic endeavor. But they do go to Barnabas' home first. That's fascinating. And I'm sure Barnabas was appreciative of the opportunity to speak in his home country of this gospel that he's taken to so many other places. I don't know how many of his family, friends, we we really don't know exactly Barnabas's time there. We just know Mm -hmm. this is where he's from. But I'm with you on that, how intriguing that is, that the first place they get to go is, is his home country. We know that Saul, of course, had gone back to his home. That's before right. he's gone to Antioch. And so we see the personal involvement, even in the work that is directed by the Holy Spirit. 
And I don't know, maybe this is not a parallel, but I think there might be some parallel here to even just inspiration with the scripture. When the Holy Spirit works through people, it's not like the Holy Spirit ignores the people that he's working through. It's not, they're they're not automatons who have Mm -hmm. just become robots going where he's pointing in that sort of thing. But the spirit is working through them in their personality and it just becomes very natural. For Barnabas to end up at Cyprus with Saul, just as it was very natural for Saul to have gone to Tarsus earlier. You seem to have a good relationship between Barnabas and Saul, right? They're friends. For now. For now. But one of the, one of the other's um, friends, I guess it's added into the mix, is this John Mark. Yes. Uh, we were told that John Mark had traveled with them from Jerusalem back to Antioch. And while you have uh, Paul and, or I should say Saul and Barnabas being set aside by the Holy Spirit or chosen by the Holy Spirit, they do take John Mark with them. And so you've got three preachers at the beginning of this missionary journey going to Cyprus. Well, you had five in Antioch. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's, that's certainly that's a, something That's some there. teamwork. Teamwork. Here's the thing that is fascinating to me that I wanted to make sure we brought out today. When we look at the work that was done on Cyprus, and of course, we, you know, there's this whole island, and we have one interaction that is revealed to us, which tells us something about the writing of Scripture also. The purpose of Scripture is not to tell us everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Even here, the purpose of this book that we have called the Acts of the Apostles is not intended to give us a moment-by-moment historical sketch of one event that led to the next event that led to the next event, but rather Luke is bringing together certain accounts, certain events that are going to drive home his message and his point that is a part of this larger book of Acts. So we started on this missionary journey, and the first thing he does is tell us about this one event that occurred in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder... I think maybe part of this is giving us that swing from Saul to Paul because they teach a fellow named Sergius Paulus. And Luke uses this opportunity to say this is when the essentially we see Paul shifting from this Saul, which I think was a more Jewish name, to Paul, which was a more Roman name. Hmm. But what fascinates me most about this is not the name change of Saul to Paul. It's not even the fact that we get to see Barnabas in his home country. It's that we see a miracle. We see an amazing miracle. We see a punitive miracle that we don't see very often. I mean, there's a couple times that that happens. We don't see that very often. But at the end of all of this, when it explains why Sergius Paulus turned to the Lord, why Mm -hmm. he believed... It, it does say when he saw what occurred, but it says that he was astonished at the teaching. It's not because he was astonished at the miracle. Now, certainly it does indicate the miracle played in his belief and had an impact, of course, as the gifts and signs of the Spirit were supposed to do. But here, what, what really stood out, what really attracted him is the teaching. Is the teaching. What a difference we have here as we meet a second person called a sorcerer in our reading. Uh, When we were studying in the 8th chapter of Acts, we met Simon the sorcerer, um, who also was impressed with the teaching of the gospel. Now, he was receptive to it. He saw the the works and the signs that Philip did. Uh, He believed. He was baptized. He becomes a Christian. We have the opposite in this uh, Elamus fellow that he's a sorcerer, he's going to withstand the teaching, uh, withstand the the desire, I guess, the opportunity of the proconsul to be converted 
unto the preaching of Paul. Now, that's really interesting to me. When you've got Simon the sorcerer who is moved to become a Christian, he makes his own mistakes. He wants to buy the power of, of the apostles and all of that, and we've discussed all that. But this fellow, he steals himself against the gospel. He wants to protect his position. He wants to protect, I guess, his false sorceries uh, from, from being encroached upon by the truth. There are actually a lot of connections in this little paragraph going back. Mm. And you've brought up that one about the sorcerer. One of the other ones that I noticed is notice the punitive miracle is he is blinded for a time, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. That's actually happened to somebody else before this moment. We used to call him Saul, (laughs) but now we're going to call him Paul. That's exactly right. Acts 9. And once again, we see just like Elemis was a contrast with Simon the Samaritan sorcerer. Mm-hmm. He is also a contrast with Saul. When Saul was struck blind, it was a thing that pushed him towards discipleship. It mm-hmm. caused him That's to right. realize that the one who he was seeing in the vision is Lord. Mm-hmm. And so he was turned to the Lord by that. Elemis, however, it does not appear was turned to the Lord at all. Right. Though the one he was trying to turn away from the Lord was convinced by all of this. Well, he was convinced. Uh, as you were kind of drawing our attention to verse 12 a moment ago, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I'm not exactly sure how all of this played out, but in my mind's eye, I can picture this striking a fellow blind. He is humbled. He needs someone to lead him out. The proconsul's jaw drops. And then he turns to Paul and he says, did you just say someone rose from the dead? (laughs) Yeah. I want to hear more about this. Tell me more about that. Yeah, tell me more about this teaching of this resurrected Savior. I should listen. Okay, let's make some more connections. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about Moses versus the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Wow, yeah. And so, you know, they were demonstrating to Pharaoh, their power, and there's this competition between Moses and these wise men, and eventually mm-hmm. the wise men can no longer keep up with Moses. They can't stop his plague. Some some of them— And those they, were punitive. Yes, those were punitive. Some of those they could mirror, which mm-hmm. that always has blown my mind, why they would even try that. You know, yes, turn the water to blood. We can do that, too. Let's turn—oh, I found some water. Instead of drinking this water, let's turn it to more blood. <laughs> you well, know, some of the things they could mirror, yeah. but eventually— they couldn't. There was this level of skepticism with those Egyptian magicians. Oh, I know that trick. Oh, I know that trick. Oh, we're at a whole nother level. <laughs> a whole nother level. And that's what's <laughs> happening here. Yeah. Elemis has been receiving this counsel, or excuse me, Sergius Paulus has been receiving the counsel from Elemis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, I'm going to resist the urge to also draw comparisons to Lord of the Rings and Grimma Worm Tongue, but you know, that's. <laughs> We see that same kind and now of now we're at a whole nother level. Now we're at a whole nother level. We see where uh, Tolkien got that imagery from, but that's exactly what's happening. He's getting this kind of grim, a worm tongue counsel from this guy. And what Saul does is he comes in and says, "You want to see the real power of God? Let me show it to you." Elamis can't withstand this, mm-hmm. and he rebukes him and he sends him on his way. And as you pointed out, Sergius Paulus essentially, I, again, I know we're speculating, but okay. So tell me more about this resurrection because yeah. what you just said is really powerful. Now, here's here's why that is so important for us to draw out, is that Sergius Paulus did not turn to Saul becoming Paul. He turned to Jesus. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Where before, he was leaning and relying upon Elemis because of mm-hmm. his power. But when Saul uses the power of God, he does not turn Sergius Paulus to him. Mm-hmm. He turns him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to make sure that everything we do is about turning people to Jesus. And I just, uh, before we wrap up, I want to make sure we draw this very clearly that today, I I often say, and I hear people say, because this is what I think when I think about, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could go into the hospital and heal everybody? Wouldn't it be great if we could actually perform some of these miracles? If we could do that, people would listen. I mean, look here, they listened. But I do want to highlight what actually brought this man in, what actually hooked him, what actually astonished him. I know the miracle had a part and I can't quantify the percentages, but he was astonished at the teaching. And we have a teaching that is astonishing and we need to get it out. We need to get it out and we need to be astonished by it. Mm. I mean, that's one of the great things I take away from this is uh, to be sensitive to the word of God. Let it sit in your heart and, and let it amaze you. It is amazing. It is amazing. We'd love to hear how you're being amazed by it. Whatever you're reading, what you're learning, we'd love to hear that. Give us an email at text talk at christiansmeethere.org, and we'd love to be able to talk about that here on the podcast. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day you've given us. We thank you that we can open up your word and learn about these exciting steps at the beginning of this preaching journey of Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. Father, we see that uh, great things were done in your name, great and even terrible things at times, to bring about the clarity of your truth and the unparalleled authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to walk in that light today to be amazed by the wonders of your teaching that changes hearts, saves souls. And God, may we be instruments of that word and faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.